This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted, silver, award-winning Pride of West London podcast. And I'm coming to you once again from the virtual joint. I was in the pub twice in a week and it's obviously become too much for me. So I had to shrink back to the virtual joint, watch the game tonight against Derby County, got on virtually with my buddy Laney, and here we are back where we're used to in this lockdown fever vibe you know it's, it's like the same as it's been for the last nine months you know in our virtual zone laney how are you doing i know oh wake wake being... me up wake me up bill wake me up wake me up that was that was so dull tonight wasn't it listen we're just talking we're talking about we've just come off the back of this derby county game which hasn't been the best game it has to be said and, you know, there's a few people feel there's a few chickens we're coming home to roost with Brentford this season. Listen, we're, we're up there. We're still sort of kind of top seven. Uh, I wanted to say top six, but unfortunately Bristol City won tonight. So we're top seven, which is nice enough. But the reality is Brentford 2020, latter 2020, isn't quite the same as Brentford early 2020. But we will talk about that later because we've got a few more positive things to talk about. Before we get to the depths of this podcast, haven't we, lady? Yeah, we have. Yeah, um, you know, the, the, I guess the massive positive is there's Brentford fans back in our new stadium. That's that is the kind of like not the be all and end all because you know the the team is pretty 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 poor tonight, and uh, you know it was it was probably a little bit better on Saturday, but we haven't seen a win um, as fans in a new stadium. But you know, the bigger picture is that. You know, being in tier two, assuming we don't go to tier three, is that fans are allowed into uh, into New Griffin Park. So, you know that that is good. We've 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 seen for the last year about you know the superlatives about the ground itself and you know what it allows Brentford Football Club to do in terms of sort of creating new revenue and the future that we can have there, and hopefully it equips us to be in the Premier League. Um, 
to be in the Premier League, we need to be playing way better football than we've played the last couple of games. Um, we, as you say, we know we're not we're not. There's no point in getting too down in the dumps about it. But the draws really do kind of frustrate us when we we created probably enough in the first half, or we would have done this time last year to have got a win out of that. And then you say, you know. Bristol City um, have knocked us down to seventh place, but they did what we couldn't do, and that's beat Blackburn Rovers. So, like, fair play to them. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's it's there are positives, but there are some frustrations. I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say they're negatives because, you know, taking sixty million quid's worth of talent out of this team is, is you know, is gonna is gonna cause you some tr- transition. Um, you know, there's, there's that that that. That flair, that impact, that bit of magic—it doesn't seem to be happening. You know, struggling on the left a little bit still, well, more than a little bit. Um, and then Brian Buemo on on the right—he's just not having the season he had last year. It's not to say it won't come, but you know, we're we're missing impact. Um, fortunately, we've got a lot of money in the bank, and we've got a transfer window coming up. So, assuming. Um, Juventus or Barcelona don't come in for Ivan Tony. Um, we can hopefully add some flair, some impact, some pace on the wings. Yeah, I mean, let's look. So we'll talk about all this a little bit later. But let's you know, let's just come back to the because you talked about the new stadium. I mean, we weren't there today because it was somebody else's chance, other people's chance. And we hope that, you know, despite the, the horrendous match tonight, you actually enjoyed yourself at Griffin Park tonight. You got a little bit of a light show. You know, I think sort of, sort of, sort of, it's almost like Disney World, like, you know, when you get the sort of laser show at midnight, whatever it may be. <laughs> they tried to do exactly the same thing at Griffin Park tonight to, to impress the fans, to impress the TV. But also, we were there on Saturday, first game back on Saturday. Very, very excited. We had a great day. Like I said to you, had a few beers in the Globe. There's a buzz in the Globe that there hasn't been. I mean, I've been to pretty much every game since June in the Globe. Or, yeah, June, actually, you know, in, in the Globe, just watching the football. And, uh, you know, I, I noticed a marked difference this time where you could feel that people were excited because what you had, you had your period where you got there in time to have a bit of tucker, a bit of chat, a bit of drink, you know, just talking about whatever. Then all of a sudden it was like the time to leave. And then, you know, people are drinking up or they're putting beer into the plastics and they're walking down the road and yeah we did the walk down the road to like I said to new Griffin to old Griffin Park you know to uh, to pay our tributes to that then we walked down to new Griffin Park and uh, like I said to you I was there with my daughter Bella my son Elias as well we went down there and you know th- th- they were excited and the fact that my kids were excited to go to the new stadium was great and you know I'll be honest with you when I went in there I was impressed view was good the the acoustics was good um, you know, listen, I'm not even going to go on about the multicoloured seats. You know, I'm not a fan of that. But listen, let's move on from that. They're there, you know, and, 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 and we sat in them. And the game was the game was actually quite exciting. Like, you know, and I just thought, tell you something, when there's 17,000 fans in this stadium, it's going to be great. We had a good sing song, you know. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to sit with your mates because your mates were dotted all over the place. But listen, these are small, you know, these are small, small fry things. These are sort of kind of uh, um, second tier problems, as they say, <laughs> you know, and we can't ask for everything. So listen, I had a great day. And even you, Laney, I mean, you shot a nice little video as well, which you put out there, didn't you? Yeah, no, I enjoyed that. We've well, I dusted off the camera equipment. We, we used to do uh, a video for every game home and away, pretty much. We did that for probably five, six, seven years. Um, and uh, you know, it, it it was good to do that again. Actually, is this uh, we do the podcast after every match back in the pub and inside the stadiums when we were allowed to. 
um, and it's, it's it's better to get sort of um, visuals with that as well and uh, to, to capture fans' thoughts on their first visit to New Griffin Park and uh, to kind of capture the, the walk and the kind of my first my first tiptoes through the turnstiles and into uh, into the to the seats in the north stand. You know, I, I, we won't we won't be doing it every week, but it's just it's good to kind of capture that for posterity. Um, so yeah, no, you know, it's been an eventful week, but it, it would have been so much better if we could have combined that with some positive results on the pitch. You know, it goes without saying, I guess. Hundred percent, it does. Like I said to you, and if you want to as well, please go back to prideofwest.london and listen to the post-match Blackburn podcast. And you know, sometimes you know when the match is gone. We, you know, some people think there's no point listening back to the, you know, those post-match podcasts because we've played one or two games afterwards. There's no point. But that podcast had so many views of people straight after the match in the stadium. So they were giving you their real heartfelt views of what they thought of the stadium and how they were feeling actually watching Brentford's um, first match. So I think it's definitely, definitely, definitely worth going back and listening to that post-match podcast on prideofwest.london as well. And also, we, we, we got a little bit of surprise news as well this week, Nani, because, you know, as a podcast we've been going for six years now, I think it is, since 2014, um, I think we've been going. Yeah, 2014 we were going, so six and years and three months after that Borough game, in September 2014 is when we first started and uh, we, we're very you know, honoured and lucky to have been nominated for three Football Supporters Federation or Football Supporters Association um, awards. We were nominated for three of them. We haven't won any of those. And then we've been nominated for three football blogging mm-hmm. awards, which is now the Football Content Awards as well. So we remember the first year we went up to Manchester for that one. Do you remember that one? We got a hotel, went up to Manchester, went to the Oyster Bar and yeah, all sorts and stayed up quite late. And, you know, we went to that one. That's when we, yeah, yeah we met all sorts of characters up there for that <laughs> one. That was, uh, that, was quite, that was quite a night out, that was. And then, we, uh, did, we didn't win that one either, did we? <laughs> We didn't win that one after. And then a few years later, we went down to Ali Pali and we were nominated for that one as well. We met the old... Um, did we win there? Yeah, did we win that one? The Aston Villa. No, we didn't, we didn't win that one either. Like, you know, and we did win the FSF, FSF Awards, which was you know up, up at, uh, at the station... Right by Marlebon, uh, not Marlebon, by, by St Pancras Station, yeah, that yeah. beautiful hotel, the one that's used in the Spice Girls movie as well, with the stairs in the Spice Girls movie as well. We don't even know we didn't win that one either. And then we uh, we went a couple of years to the, uh, where did we go to? It's to the, 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 off with his head. Oh, yeah. To the, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's where that's London. where we didn't win. Yeah, no, the, the dungeons. That's right. Yeah, the, the London dungeons, but like the Tower of London. Yeah, we didn't win there either. This like, is like know. Brentford's playoffs, isn't it? Really, there's, there's, there's a kind of a, there's a complete like correlation between that's, our that's our right. failure and the, and the club's and the failure club's in the player final that's right but so so obviously what's happened is that we got nominated again and to be quite honest with you and we have to admit you know the award show unfortunately because of covid they decided to put it online and, and we forgot it was on <laughs> we had no idea that the award show was on and all of a sudden i sort of saw somebody sort of tweeted a congratulations to me personally and I'm like what's he talking about I've got no idea what he's <laughs> talking about and then I had to sort of flick through the timeline and I was really confused I thought oh no they've had an award show and we got sort of silver prize for the best EFL podcast and we weren't even there do we win anything 
probably. I don't know. That's a good question. I have to ask them if they're not getting some sort of plaque or something like that. Plaque. Well, outside your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Get a blue plaque. <laughs> We'd say, everybody, thanks very much to all the Besotted crew. We've got like quite a, quite a wide network of uh, Besotted contributors, as it is people that come on the podcast, your liberal Nicks, your savvies, you know, your, 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 your allards, your Dutchmans, you know, all that, you know. Then we've got the... Dutchmans, the, the allards. That's right. Yeah. We're going to all their names. Oh, no, you you know, you've got um, Gary Paul and things. We can try and go through the whole list, like you're saying. Then, but you know, but listen, but we're going to get them back on again because I've had a, we've had a nice little idea for a, for another podcast that we're going to be putting out. You know, uh, in the new year, you know, maybe on a, on, a, on a, probably on a Monday morning or something like that, or a Monday. You know, we've got another little idea. We will be getting everybody involved, and we'll keep you in the loop of that one as well. But like I said to you, first of all, our brilliant contributors, you know, who've been doing stuff fantastic thank you very much for all your help you know couldn't have done it without you guys as well and also like i said to you for me i mean i as you know i love talking to away fans and we're going to be talking to my mate greg from forza garibaldi from forest a little bit later on that one thank you to all the away fans for giving your contribution on there it's very very interesting getting your point of view as well and all the interviews we've had and all sorts of stuff from you know the blind date that we interviewed as well when we had to sort of chasing them around the pub you know and you know ceos and you know phil giles and you know thomas frank and you know players and everybody thank you very much so you know getting involved yeah cheers as we say so anyway cheers. talking about fans we're going to talk about fans as well like i said to you <laughs> Really appreciate all the support that you've been giving us, guys, as well. Interesting, talking to one of our fans who listens to every single podcast is this one of our crew, a guy called Paperboy. You remember Paperboy, don't you, Laney? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Paperboy is basically Paperboy, Grant Paperboy Jones, as well. And he's actually living out in Thailand now. Proper, proper, proper beast fan. Lovely, lovely bloke. Became part of our crew. And he was called Paperboy, basically, because, like, we, uh, you know, we were sort of, as, as we got a little bit older, you know, we got a few of the younger folk who decided to sort of kind of come and part of our crew, part of the Besotted crew, as it was then. And uh, so one of them, you know, we called him Young Man. Um, which we thought that was great because he, he, he was young and he looked very young but then all of a sudden he decided to bring his brother along who was obviously younger than him so we thought oh now what do we call him and so we called him Younger Man because we couldn't think of anything else and then all of a sudden another, he brought his other brother along and we thought oh no what do we do now we just you know very creatively decided to call him Youngest Man so we had three brothers coming along Young Man, Younger Man and Youngest Man and we thought okay that'll do that'll deal with the young people in the crew and all of a sudden <laughs> Grant comes along <laughs> turns up a couple of years later we're like Oh no, he's even younger. We can't, we can't go another step down, so we end up calling him Paperboy. So uh, yeah, <laughs> so for the last twenty odd years or thirty years, he's been known as Paperboy, even though he's probably not done a paper round for about sort of kind of forty years or so. <laughs> and he's, moved, he's moved to Thailand anyway. He messaged us the other day to let us know. He goes, "Ah, oh, I love you guys, and it's really brilliant." Anyway, I'm getting a besotted tattoo done, so he's getting a besotted tattoo done. What is the matter with him? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he says he's going to send photographs and. Send it over but all i have to say to you i've got a doff my hat to you paper boy getting your besotted tattoo done lady are you happy with that yeah i'm, I'm well impressed by that <laughs> not even i've got one of them so yeah <laughs> maybe we ought to bill you up for one no, I'm not. Being, I'm not silver, so it says silver award-winning nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> That's right. So listen, we've got to give a big shout out to all the fans who have supported us this week again. Robert Keane, hopefully get down to see the, the London Irish soon in the stadium. Robert Keane, of course, you know, he's, he loves a bit of rugby and a little bit of football. I have to say, actually, the stadium, the pitch looked a little bit rugged after only it's what, you know... Yeah, it did, didn't it? Sort of five games in three days. A football game on Saturday, a rugby game on Sunday. You're supposed to put a fishing emoji at the end of that comment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah no, it, it did. It, looked, it probably looked worse than it actually was. It didn't seem to affect our play, but it, it didn't look as beautifully pristine as it did on Saturday, that's for sure. No, that's definitely not manicured as well. So maybe if Robert Keane, if he gets down to see London Irish, you know, he can go and take his his, his rake with him, you know, and just jump over the sort of the, the of the barriers and sort of kind of give it a little bit of a push, you know, just to sort out that pitch because I think it needs a little bit of work on that one as well. Still, it's still better than the pitch that busted Bielen's knee. Yes, okay, yeah, we won't talk about that because there's a whole another business that went on there as well, like you know, Pitchgate, which is a which is a big thing for Brentford a few years ago, and and, and thankfully we've moved moved on a lot from Pitchgate but uh, yes anyway yeah thanks very much for Kofi support who is somebody who didn't put their name but you know cheers boys and girls look forward to getting the next round getting to to getting the next round in person keep it up next round thank you very much as well and Clive as well thanks Laney Billy and the chaps and chappesses loved all of your bees ramblings over the years so he's uh, obviously an old school um besotted listener reader whatever that's Clive as well thank you very much Clive I really appreciate Martin Loftus thanks for entertaining and informing us it's very much appreciated as well and uh, John Rogers as well think Dave bought me a pint around the turn of the millennium in the Swan Isleworth great podcast has kept me relatively sane during the 2020 shenanigans so he owes me a pint. John Rogers owes you a pint. So basically, you're asking to get you down the globe and then uh, to, to, to get the pint back. Are you saying that, Laney? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Right. <laughs> I don't buy anyone a pint not to get one back. No, well, to be to be fair, I think John Rogers has actually, you know, he's, he's actually got your pint. So I think I think he's done the old, he's done the return. So just don't worry about it, Laney. Okay, nice yeah. one. Oh, okay, I've got you. I've got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny Ross Tatham as well. Cheers, boys. I can't thank you enough for keeping this podcast going week in week out. It's become such an integral part of my weekly rhythm. You know, it's weekly rhythm. Do you think he's a bit of a dancer? You know rhythm is a dancer. Rhythm is a dancer. Yeah, absolutely is. And um, I tell you, we're going to. Um, there, there will be a paper fanzine. Um, we're going to. We're going to do it early in the new year. Okay. No, no exact date, so we'll. Um, we'll have a. We'll have a besotted, inky version. It will be digital and inky and probably just mail only we're not going to be selling this thing outside the stadium no. those days have long gone yeah. so uh, we'll keep them peeled that's right we, we, will do. we will do it just quickly just Johnny Ross Tatham as well because I, I didn't want to interrupt you there as well lady but he just actually says I love the statistical even handed insights and Billy Laney Allard and the team don't forget the liberal Tell you something. I'm sure that liberals actually like he's been putting money in envelopes and posting it out to people. Like you know, what I'm saying, you know. So, uh, but he goes, our exceptional host. Thanks very much. And again, we're not sort of saying this. We're just reading out this, these, 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 these comments and these bits and pieces that's come in for us, which is all good. So, listen. Anyway. <laughs> You can see we've been desperately trying not to move the podcast on. We've, we've been trying to find things to talk about in the intro because we now have to talk about, well, the two games over the last few days. We played Blackburn and it was not great. And then we played Derby County and it's pretty stinky. Let's have a little twang and let's come back after that twang and let's talk about those two matches. Oh, I 
tell you something. I, I, it's almost like I don't want to sort of split the two up. It's almost like I want to actually just talk about <laughs> being in the stadium and just singing and just having a bit of a laugh and looking forward to sort of kind of 4,000 or 8,000 people being in the stadium. I mean, I'm a little bit worried because there's a, there's a bit of a worry that we might be going into tier three, you know, because they're saying, oh, you know, infections are going up and so on and so forth. So London might go into tier three, which is a bit of a worry, which means that we may not actually... Get, go back in the stadium for quite a long time which is a bit of a fear um but saying that if you if we played like we did against Derby you'd probably rather be at home to be quite honest with you and I'm not saying that because I'm not being loyal I'm just sort of kind of trying to highlight the fact that it was a pretty pretty awful match but going back to the Blackburn game first of all as well Laney um listen we're going to hear from the fans in a little bit as to what they said about that game but we sh- really should have put them to bed shouldn't we yeah I, I, you know um Blackburn are not an, not an awful team by a long stretch. You know they had a very similar record to us going into that game, so a draw or a narrow win always looked likely. Um, it's a shame we just couldn't obviously hold out. We we just don't seem to be you know good enough in some games to win, but not bad enough to lose. And it was it was similar similar tonight against Derby. You know. Derby came and did absolutely nothing in terms of kind of creating decent chances. We 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 did. We we our decision making in in both games seemed to be a poor. I think the highlights were obviously Sergi Canos. Uh, you know, it was brilliant to see him score, um, and it was brilliant to see him kind of moving towards his kind of peak peak form. You know, he's, he's but he's still he's still a little bit off the pace. Um, you know, but but a lot better with fans there. We you know it almost it's a unanimous kind of feeling that Sergi has got a better player to when he's performing in front of uh, an audience. Um, but it was just just like. You know, Jan out tonight against uh, against Derby. He had he had three three pretty good chances. Yeah, three three decent shots, three chances to shoot. Didn't get one on target. One of them on target. You know, one he was particularly unlucky. It curled away just at the last second. Um, but you know, Ivan Tony he got he got no service tonight. He he almost created that bit of magic himself. You know, he, he he's he's a player that expects people to do the magic for him. His back heel almost opened up. Um, Marcondes again, you know, he, he should have scored tonight. He's 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 off it, you know. He, he knows it. Thomas Frank knows it. We all know it. But thankfully, he hasn't got that kind of horrible, spiteful um, kind of anti uh, on social media that other players seem to have got so far. So uh, that, that's a that's a plus point for me. Um, you know, the haters haven't kind of hated him quite yet. They're too busy hating other people. So it's 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 a it's a difficult one because you know yeah it, it's frustrating because we know that we are capable of so much more and you know we we might be we, we still could be but I still go back to that point you know you take you take Ben Rama and Watkins out of that team um, you know and and you put some new players that are kind of kind aren't quite on it yet you know Godos hasn't really done anything at all yet. Um, I've given him, you know, I'll still give him more time, but he doesn't look anything like an impact player at all. I'm not sure what he is. You know, we we, we still don't we don't we don't know what we bought. We don't know what was seen, um, and I'm not sure what we've got. You know, he's not a, he's not a dud. He's not a lemon, but he's he's it's kind of you know whatever. Um, uh, Marcus Force was was wasted tonight. He didn't didn't get really get a chance. Um, Tony didn't get a chance. 
Um, Mads Beck was swapped out um, for, for Pinnock. You know, Pinnock was rested rather than and Mads Beck came in. Looked solid at the back but can't pass. Um, you know, it's, 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 there were fives and sixes and maybe one or two sevens all over that pitch tonight where we need eights and nines and a couple of sevens. So we're, we're, we're cruising in third gear. Um, in, in a lot of these games, and then and you know just when you think you know we're we're you know it's worth really criticising us, they they pull a result out. You know this is every chance we go to Forest and we win, and uh, you know but then we've got a trip to Watford, so we've got some we've got some toughies coming up, um, but we seem to raise ourselves when we need to. Maybe we didn't think we we had to raise our game too much for Derby, but that that was that was false. It wasn't it wasn't true. You know Derby. Um, didn't create anything, but they're, they're, they're no mugs. And we didn't create one single shot on target all night, which, you know, you can talk about XG until the cows come home. You know, you talk about quality chances, but, you know, you, you, have, you have to hit the target. And, uh, you know, there was a catalogue of, of, of people tonight that, that were blazing over or they were just taking kind of wild stabs at it and uh, a couple of times when there was a chance to take the ball early and shoot they didn't they took a touch you know and it's, it's it, it adds to the frustration and again you know I'm not I'm not making a mountain out of a molehill because we're still seventh in the division and we're still spluttering so that means when we're not assuming we're not and we, we do get on our A game like consistently we're unbeaten in 10 now you know but it's the, it's the draws that kill you and we, we've said this for the last five or six years you know, it's that defeats don't really hurt if you're winning three and, and losing one. It's it's the it's the drawing. Um, you you drop in two points and you you patting yourself on the back because you haven't lost. And I I I'm not I'm not I'm not vibing off that anymore. It's interesting. I'm just going to have a little quote here from uh, one of the Besotted crew who actually wrote a very very good article on Besotted.com. If you check it out, John Condor Man Restall as well and he wrote a little piece about basically you know our first time in the new stadium and you should definitely definitely go and check that out because as a Brentford fan I think you will really really love that but just coming back to an interesting comment he said about last night oh, last, well, I'll say last night when you listen to this or whenever you listen to this about the Derby game last season we looked like a cat with a wounded bird against teams like Derby Today we look a bit like they might score a crappy goal like Blackburn did on Saturday. And it's kind of like, you know, there's a difference between, obviously, Brentford now and Brentford of last season. I mean, for me, you know, lots of people have asked us, you know, Brentford aren't as good as they are last season. I've kind of given the excuses saying, yeah, we're up there in the stats and the XG and all this kind of stuff, which we are up there. But if you look at us, we are, we're, we're, we're definitely not the same team. We're, not, we're definitely not the same team that used to frighten people when they used to see, you know, you know whoever it may be, Justice Silva or, or Ben Rama or even Watkins, whoever like that, just running at them and passing the ball around and just tearing them to pieces. We're definitely not that team. We're definitely a much more, I wouldn't say a safer team. And I said sort of slightly more functional team which some people said, oh, I don't think that's quite right. Uh, uh, one word that's somebody used today, and quite a few people said today, that we're a boring team, which is quite interesting. So they say that we're more boring than we are before. And it's almost like, because we've been given, and I've said this before, because we've given so much, been playing so much brilliant football over the years, we're not used to seeing us like this kind of quite functional and just kind of grinding these results out and getting these draws. I mean, for me, what I actually do believe is the situation is that we're treading water at the moment now. Um, they obviously know there's a, there's issue. There's there's there's, there's not, problems are not the right word, but there are issues that uh, haven't been dealt with. There are areas which need to be kind of addressed, 
and we're treading water and the fact is that if we can tread water coming into January and we are still seventh or eighth we're sort of kind of four or five points off you know you know second place you know we're in, within the playoffs they'll be happy with that because I think they know exactly what we need to do. I'm sure they've got people in mind that's going to, you know, deal with that. And I think we just kind of need to just kind of, we just need to just just realise that this is the situation. Brentford are what they are at the moment now. We aren't the same as we were last season. The players are doing their best to do what they're going to do. We got a result today. We should have got a win, but we didn't get a win. But we're still, not be funny, we're still in there. We're still ahead of the game as where we were last season. You know, we're still all right. We're, you know, we win two games in a row and all of a sudden you're back in, the, you know, you're back in the game. So I'm not trying to put the old rose-tinted glasses and say everything is absolutely brilliant. But we're, we're, we're not in a bad position, are we, Lane? No, we're not. But we are a worse team. You know, you, you say disappointing, you can say it more functional. You can say, you know... Lots of you know, there's lots of words that describe how how we are compared to last season, but we are worse than last season, um, and and you know that's unex- you know it's not it's not to be expected, it's not to be not expected. You know, we have taken sixty million pounds worth of talent that out of a team. You know, we were very very good in those wide areas, and we were we were still we're still pretty good in front of goal when you create the chances. But you know, it's those wide areas that 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 actually carve out that bit of brilliance um, and we're we're fortunate that we have got that we have got that sort of war chest of money and we have got a transfer window coming up um, but you know we should have gone top tonight it, it's it's we, we should have won at Wickham and we should have beaten Blackburn and we should have beaten Derby and there, there are there are other games you know Middlesbrough Jan Alts missed an absolute you know what yeah ridiculous like high quality you know, chance. There, there's there's chances in each of these games we've dropped points where we should have won, and you know, you just hope that we put this right. And again, yeah, I'm not the the alarm bells are ringing, but it just depends what you want to do with them. You can either go, yeah, we're seventh and we're still not, you know, and we're spluttering a bit, or we're seventh. This is an absolute disaster. Slag the players off, sack the manager. You know, that that's that's not where we're at. You know, it's. Uh, you know, there's, there's bags of time to put this right, but, you know, put it right, they must. They must indeed. So, listen, we're going to go back to the matches or at the, well, the match on Saturday. Because for the first time in, was it nine months, we will actually be able to pull the microphone out in the stands, talk to fans in the stadium, outside the stadium, in the pubs, and ask them what they thought of the match that they just saw and also the stadium that they'd just been standing in. So check this out. Yeah, it's lovely to be here today, Bill. Um, I think we threw away two points, unfortunately. Um, looks like a nice ground. I think it'll be really atmospheric, but yeah, go away. We've got a point when we should have got three. Once we've got that lead, it's really like a bit of a soft underbelly to let it go. Nothing really happened for 20 minutes before their, their equaliser. And I think we just switched off a bit. A couple of substitutes. We just weren't quite switched on and they took half a chance and, you know, we've wasted it. We're all slightly disappointed about the result, especially as we gave away the goal at the last. But we're in the stadium. We applauded our boys. We saw Sergi score an absolutely fantastic goal. And it's just brilliant to be back. 
and uh, I can't wait until we're all back here together. I'm not particularly impressed with the way we've been playing for a, a long time this season, to be fair, even though we've had the results and the points. In my mind, there's no, I can't see a pattern of play anymore, which is disappointing as uh, we've been brought up for the last five years with a distinct pattern of play, which we haven't got anymore. And uh, that's disappointing, but we've got really good players and that's why we're putting the points on the board. Sergi was back today. He looked back on form. He looked hungry for it. And it, and it was his best performance in weeks and weeks. I don't know what he's been doing, but he's, he's back. I really, really like the new home. Well done, everybody. It's, it's, I really like it a lot. Excellent. The views are fantastic. Looks good. When it's full, it's going to be bloody mad. So, really happy. It was nice. It was nice to get kind of feedback from the players. Like when Sergi was kind of cheering us on and everyone started singing again. It was really nice. It kind of felt like you were part of it again instead of being at home and stuck. And I'm not too happy about the substitutes at the end, but I do realise we have another game coming up in a few days' time. So, probably that's why he subbed. But I do feel we are close to the pitch and I just feel like a nice new ground and I'm happy to be there. But I just can't get my head around those substitutions. I think even I manage an under-15 or under-16 team and if you do one up against, especially like black men have got 10 men, they, they're not coming out having a go at us. You know what they're going to do. They're going to leave it to the last 10 minutes and they're going to try and sneak a lucky goal. So you need height on the pitch to Silva. De Silva was running the show for me anyway. I thought he was playing really well. Rico Henry, you know where you are with Rico Henry. What's the point of taking them off with 10 minutes left? They're not, they didn't look tired, either of them. What's the point of just trying... If you're 4-1 up, yeah, fair enough. Bring them off. 4-1 up, put Godos on. Put Thompson on, give him a go. But 2-1 up against the team we've got a geezer who's about 6 foot 5 up front and you know what they're going to do in the last five minutes and that's exactly what they've done. And we played exactly into their hands and we've thrown away two points in my... I feel it's just mindless, utterly mindless. Not even a kid's football manager would have made an error like that. And I know he says, oh, you've got to make brave decisions, you've got to be, you know, bring people on, know when to take them off. Tell me that isn't the case. That is just mindless, utter mindless. And it's ruined what was a lovely day out for me. So there you have it. That was brilliant. The ability, not the game, forget the game. Just, just talking to fans and their excitement, and and it's almost like I said that Blackburn game. A lot of people, I did for a start. I kind of sort of like just poo poo the game. It's like, oh yeah, we should have got a result. But it doesn't matter because I was so happy to be in the ground. And I think a lot of the other fans did as well. Because like I said to you, and, and and I'm saying this because like I said to you, look, look, we were lucky enough to be there. I know a lot of people weren't lucky enough to be there, um, but you know. It shows you how important I think it is to go to football matches because, for me, the frustration of... If I saw a game like that and they'd equalise so late on in that game and I was watching that at home or wherever like that, personally, I'd be really frustrated. Just probably like, I'm frustrated now watching this derby match on the TV, whereas probably if you talk to a lot of the fans who are in the stadium, they'll be like, yeah, it was quite bad. But actually, to be quite honest with you, I talked to my mate and I took a drink. And I, and, and so actually being at the game does give you such a different experience that you you kind of give the team a bit of a blind when they're a bit chip basically you do you get that lady yeah yeah i, 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 I do and it's, it's gonna be what's, what's gonna be unusual is kind of like uh i think uh there's gonna be a vibe of like we're just happy to be there and it's it's, it's wrong to slag them off like in the flesh but 
you know that that will change I'm sure when when you know when it becomes a little bit less of a novelty to be attending football when it becomes a bit of a routine again so uh, I thought um, one of the best bits of footage that I recorded on on Saturday was of Clarkey um, Graham Clark and he he was talking about without foot without fans at football football is is, is kind of like not nothing but it real real home in a way as you lose half of it you know the, the the game is about going to not just watching and it's the it's the you know it's the travelling it's the it's the sampling different different towns and cities around the country it's about welcoming fans from different parts of the country to your own stadium and having a drink with them before the game and afterwards you know that that's that's what football's all about it's not it's not necessarily just going along or or just watching the 90 minutes and knowing what the result is and cheering from your armchair or uh, or otherwise it's, it's it's actually like the whole package and at the moment it's, it's very difficult to get that get that experience that we, we you know we know and love the reason we love football is because of all of that and at the moment it's just watching a game and uh, I watch a lot of football and I, I take I take little pleasure in most of it and at the moment you know quite a few of the Brentford games I'm taking a little pleasure out of as well apart from you know you know now and again cheering a goal and it's 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 kind of yeah that adds to the frustration I think the fact that you you can't be there or you can't kind of you know we, we say on this fanzine a lot you know keep football out of football because the one one thing that can ruin a day at football is the football itself and you know we we're not even getting the day at football at the moment we're getting the game and if the game's rubbish the day's kind of rubbish and uh, it might sound a bit shallow but there's, there's very few plus points at the moment if we if you're in lockdown and you know you're not really going out and you're not seeing your mates that your, your your team provides those highlights it's it's your team is the, is is the thing during the week the highlights you know all day today i had a busy day and i had loads to do and i and i did it and i don't know but in my back of my mind is brentford are playing tonight and, I, and I'm looking forward to that. And then, you know, they serve that rubbish up. And it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, there's Wednesday. What, what was I getting so excited about? I didn't have the, you know, the afternoon in the pub with my mates and the, the substantial meal. I didn't have any of that. And, you know, the couple of drinks afterwards and you put the world's rights. It's, it's it, when you're looking at the game in itself... And if the game's not good, you, you kind of it's, it's a it's a kind of like a shell of an experience. So, you know, there is a there is an extra pressure and there's an extra kind of responsibility on the players to kind of help us out a bit here. And maybe that's a bit too much of a burden to put on their shoulders, but that's the way it is now. And I think that's probably why, in uh, in some cases, people do get extra carried away and they and they, they get extra aggy about it because. You know that's the highlight of their day, and if the highlight's been rubbish, then it's been a rubbish day. And there's a lot of people struggling out there. And I'm not saying that everyone that slags Brentford off is struggling, but you know if you are struggling, and I know it's been a mental health week and mental health days recently. You know, if, you know if you need to speak to people, you sh- you should do because you know if you speak to someone, it gives them the opportunity to open up themselves as well. I think there's a lot of people that are struggling with with issues, um, and that's not that's not getting sort of too dramatic about a poor display. I think that's just in general that you know a lot of people are under the cosh at the moment. A lot of people with jobs that are uncertain, with finances that are uncertain, and uh, futures that are uncertain. And you know, fo- when, when football is not great, you know, it just adds to it. So uh, you know, it's good to talk. 
it's good to talk as well. And I'm just, just really is when you're talking, it's really funny. We just usually get an excuse actually not to talk about the <laughs> actual game itself, right? You know, but you were talking about the and look at the stadium and, and and for us as well. You know, we were there, two thousand fans. We had a bit of a sing song as well. But you just realise, you know, for me, you know, I looked I looked over in the corner to try and sort of you know to, to scope out the stadium, and well, and you know, from where I was sitting in the north stand, I looked over to my left and in the corner I saw the corner where the away fans are going to be as well and like I said if you listen to it, the stadium's relatively small actually so you know it's, you're not up in the Alps like you might be in Newcastle or you might be in you know in other or in Derby County even like that I'm saying you are kind of like you are fairly close to the pitch so even the, the away fans will be close to the pitch and you know I mean I wasn't massively a fan of the away fans being in the corner I know why people you know might say that they should be because they didn't want to give them an advantage so if they're behind the goal it's a massive advantage because their team will get an advantage so you put them in the corner and you've got two sort of home fans behind the goal which should give you an advantage which I totally understand that but I also think that the away fans actually do make part of the atmosphere as well and I think them being there and seeing them and making their noise and everything like that you know and you see that visually on the television where you're looking across is part of football like you know and also technically if you've got 2,000 away fans and you've got 15,000 home fans 15,000 home fans should be making much more noise and sometimes it takes them 2,000 away fans to be doing what they're doing to get the 15,000 home fans going so I've got you know I've got a few little issues about it but listen again listen I'm not not you know, I'm not being rabid about it. I'm just sort of saying, but I think just one of the little things that just kind of occurred to me at the time, I was just thinking it was good. But to be honest with you, we do miss having the away fans in there because having the away fans, it really does get the home fans kind of wound up and helps to increase that atmosphere, in it? Yeah, it was crap tonight, wasn't it? It was indeed. Listen, <laughs> we could find out exactly how crap it was tonight. And also how sort of kind of sort of slightly less crap it was on Saturday against Blackburn because we're going to go to Will the spreadsheet winker now. Like I said to Rail Scott, this little spreadsheet winker section, which was prompted by and I know we're playing them on Saturday, Nottingham Forest fans who kept on calling us Brentford fans spreadsheet winkers, or they called us something a little bit ruder than that actually, because uh, we keep on talking about stats. So we just thought, tell you something, let's get Will in. And Will's going to actually just give them all the information that they hate to hear. So here's Will, the spreadsheet winker, telling us how crap we were on Saturday and uh, and also on Wednesday night. Or oh, maybe not that bad. I'm being a bit rude here now. Come on, Will. Spreadsheet winker. Today we're going to give a rundown of the Blackburn Rovers and Derby games. First of all, Bees versus Rovers. In terms of XG, Bees made 1.44 and Rovers made 0.47. Ah, Blackburn Rovers, my girlfriend's childhood team, and in the past few seasons, never a boring game between us. I might have been slightly overzealous in my celebration of Sergi's goal, earning me the cold shoulder for the second half, but the late leveller from Jake and Davenport made sure that I didn't have the bragging rights this time. Secondly, I hope that everyone who was there on Saturday had a great time. I'm not a season ticket holder and it's a long way down from Manchester, but I hope that it's not long until we're all in that new stadium together. This was a fascinating and complicated performance to analyse from Brentford. On the surface, it looks like we bossed the XG and were unlucky to concede two goals. The latter part of that might be true, but without Ivan Tony's 37th minute penalty, automatically a 77% chance, we only generated 0.67 xG. Not much for a side with a man advantage for almost an hour of the game. And it's certain that the sending off of Dara Lenihan, the second centre-back to go off for Rovers in the first half, ushered in a period of dominance for the Bees, 
where he moved the ball very well and looked slick in midfield. Matthias Jensen was passing the ball forward well, and Sergi Kanos, renewed by the presence of fans, was much more active on the left-hand side. He actually dribbled with the ball in the run-up to his 61st-minute wonder strike from the edge of the box, his first goal in two seasons and only his fourth shot on target so far this term. It was a tiny 5% chance, but I like to think that the crowd literally willed that one into the net. Seeing Sergi take on his man like that was excellent, and I'd love to see it more often in his game. But despite looking pleasing on the eye, there was a serious lack of big chances created by Brentford in this match. Aside from the penalty, the highest XG attempt was an 8% effort from Marcus Force. I know, me neither. We seemed to struggle getting the ball into the box, with 47% of our shots from outside the box and zero in the six-yard box in the entire game. For a team which this season has scored most often through I'm and Tony poking home crosses or cutbacks from close range, this was a big issue, and it shows that we can't rely purely on shot volume to win us games. The reason for our lack of big chances could be that Blackburn dropped very deep after losing their captain, making it much harder to break their lines. Or it could be that Force on the wing, not his natural position, without the more attacking Fosu at right wing back to feed off, struggled to lay the ball off to his fellow strikers. Defensively, I don't really think we had any issues, with both the goals we conceded from small chances. Joe Rothwell's opener on 18 minutes was a 6% chance, a screamer from the edge of the box after Harvey Elliott's original effort was blocked by Ethan Pinnock. And the sickening 87th minute equaliser, scored by substitute Jacob Davenport, himself only on the fringes of the Rovers team recently, was a 13% chance coming originally from a botched Dom Thompson attempt to play the ball into the midfield. Jamily falling for Rothwell who brought the ball down well and blasted it home from 12 yards out. Apart from that goal, the Brentford defence allowed just two other shots in their box the entire game, both coming before Rovers were reduced to 10. Ethan Pinnock moved the ball excellently, racking up an insane 137 passes and proving how instrumental he is to our build-up play. It's just a shame that despite a Rovers midfielder playing at right back and having a man advantage for an hour, Bees couldn't carve out a single chance above 0.1 xG for our strikers. Next came the visit of Wayne Rooney's Derby County, the darlings of Sky Sports coming into the game on a three-match unbeaten run, where they created a fair number of big chances and actually scored some goals for once. In terms of xG, Bees had 1.42, whereas Derby made 0.33. This felt like a very different attacking performance for me from the Bees, much more efficient against a defence with a far worse record than Blackburn on Saturday. We created much more in the penalty area in this match, and the biggest chance was in Burmo's 58th minute crossbar rattler from 12 yards, which had a huge 46% XG. He was very unlucky not to score here, despite not having been in similar goal-scoring positions very often so far this year. If it had been Tony in his position, I reckon that we might have had two more points from this game. Other big chances came from Marcondes, whose neat 26% effort was palmed wide by Ben Hamer in the 44th minute, and De Silva, who missed a 12% chance in the 72nd minute, again from roughly 12 yards out. Despite not seeing the flair which we have become famed for over the past few years, I genuinely think this was a step forward for the Brentford attack. I place more value than probably most people on luck in football games, and for me, we created high enough XG chances to score at least sometimes. Like the stats suggest, about 46% of the time, and Burmo's shot goes in, and we're talking about a completely different game where Brentford have been totally dominant. However, what I will say is that we lack the individual quality offered last season, especially by Saeed Benrahma, to score a wonder strike when the luck isn't going our way. Josh De Silva has also had no luck from range this year, when last season it seemed like he couldn't miss a 20-yard screamer, scoring six from outside the box. In contrast, Derby looked pretty toothless in attack, 
failing to register a single shot until the 70th minute, and none above 9% after that. They hit the post once, but this is a false flag for a big chance, when in reality it had low XG and was very lucky even to hit the post without being blocked. Three tackles from Vitaly Janelt again hoped to break up Derby's attacking phases, and it showed that they made 20% long passes compared to B's 13%. Their striker Colin Kazim Richards only had one touch in the B's box, and instead ended up drifting out wide where he ran into trouble, only managing a pass accuracy of 52%. For my money, the B's defence did a great job of containing him and preventing him from scoring. So in short, this felt like a frustrating game for the B's, where luck was not on our side. And let's hope our shooting boots are well and truly on for the next game away to Forest on Saturday. So that was Will, the spreadsheet winker. Um, thanks to the Forest fans for giving us a nice little feature for our podcast every week. And uh, it's made a lot of people very happy as well. Lots of information there as well. I'll tell you what was the most interesting, and it's not that interesting at all, is the fact that Derby, right, they obviously came to Brentford to just kind of like, because they've been so bad recently, and they probably thought Brentford are really good. We need to just kind of just like, if we just do nothing and just try to just keep them out, then we'll just kind of just, just get something out of this. And so, I mean, obviously, there's, you know, in this game, there's no shots on target from any team. But also, Derby in the first half had, had, had zero XG. I, I, I don't think I've ever been in a situation when any team has had zero XG, which means it's almost like you, you weren't even there. You might as well just not have been on the pitch. It's, it's ridiculous, isn't it, lady? Yeah, I, I, I can't remember seeing that either. But it just it shows you that, you know, the thing is with Derby, they didn't come to defend necessarily and put you know the whole team behind the ball and frustrate us they didn't they didn't do a, a Middlesbrough or a kind of a Birmingham or a you know you know some of these like functional teams a Huddersfield have done to us they literally weren't very good and we didn't beat a not very good team and that just makes it even worse you know we go a goal up against that they they've got nothing to, nothing in reply they had nothing nothing to give we go a goal up we've won it and we just couldn't get a shot on target you know we had enough possession and we had enough um you know chances to to thread ball through or make a make a uh, a better decision in in the in the danger areas and we we made the wrong decision almost every time tonight um you know and uh jensen came on what you know what did he do tonight you know, I've got to say, you know, we 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 bring subs on to impact and make a change. The subs we brought on tonight that didn't make any difference at all. It was the same flat performance. Yeah, I mean, we got the Winkham in. He's talked about the fact that you know, especially in Blackburn, definitely he was flat. Listen, I don't disagree with you, Laney, as well. And as the Winker was saying, we also, you know. Basically, chance creation, especially against Blackburn, you know. I mean, listen, let's not take away anything for Blackburn. I thought Blackburn were quite good, actually. They were quite good in doing their job. They're quite good at kind of, you know, they were really aggressive. They were, uh, they, 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 you know, they moved the ball around really quickly. You know, they didn't create that much, actually, you know. But maybe, again, they didn't come down to us to create that much. And also, because they went down to 10 men as well, they're just damaged limitation, you know. So the fact that they actually scored two goals... After not really creating very much, is actually disappointing from our behalf. There's a bit of a defensive fluff going on twice there, but you know, I thought that they were, you know, that they were decent. But we, it's us that weren't actually creating, as the Winker said. We're not creating much, and, and in general, when we, our, chart, our creation, our getting the ball up, getting the ball into. I mean, Tony's scoring a lot of goals, 
but we're not creating probably as much as we should have done you know again you know we don't want to throw figures in there we talk about xg the hold up but we're not creating as much which is slightly worrying because no a you take tony out the picture at any stage and you think where are we going to score from because we're not creating much and he's the only one when he gets one chance well force you know you, you, you can you know if, if tony gets injured force goes straight in but you know the, the, i guess still go back to the the problem is that it's, it's from the wide areas you've got you know you've got rico henry that's looking so solid at the back and he, he bombs forward but even his delivery tonight was was wasn't great you know and you know this, this you say maybe that's a bit too much to ask that you bomb the whole length of the pitch along the touchline and you put in a poor cross but what's what's the point in doing that you might as well get the ball and pass it to a, a you know a devastating left winger he's kind of left back and left winger and so he's doing two people's jobs pretty much there and then if the delivery's not right which it wasn't tonight um, you you might as well you know you might as well say, be saving his energy and, and giving it to someone else who can do a better job um, and on the right hand side Dalsgaard was feeding Mbwemo. Um It was a pretty little crossover. Um, Dalsgaard did put a couple of crosses in, um, but you know I, I, I'm disappointed with with Jensen. To be honest, tonight coming on, his free kicks were were poor. He's, he, he hits the first man, you know, more often than not, and his corners coming in, you know, Yan out. Um, you know, he, he, he's. He, oh, I thought he had a great great dead ball um, foot, and um, so. I, I, I don't know why Jensen has to take everything because, especially when it's not working, he's, he, you know, he, he seems to be, he seems to demand it, and that's, that's not a criticism that you you kind of want that responsibility. But if it's not working, give it to someone else, you know. Um, uh, and Marcondes didn't really contribute much tonight, um, and De Silva, you know, he, he put, he, he cut out a lot, but he didn't do much on the ball. Um, a lot, yeah. Again, just go back. There's lots of fives and six out of tens there, Bill. It's just not. It's not. It's not really good enough. You know, it's not really. No. Okay. What I will say, and I'm trying to bring it up here a little bit now, put a little bit of a positive twist on it. We did miss two absolute sitters. That like two chances that that should have been a goal. And Bumo. I mean, not be funny, but like, what, what, I mean, ah. Uh, I mean, what is he doing? I mean, I could have scored that, and I'm um, terrible. Like I'm saying when it comes to stuff, but you know, you know, he's not been having the greatest of years in Bumo, and I think that miss just about summed it up because the fact that the goalkeeper wasn't even in the goal, the goalkeeper was out. He kind of punched the ball or did whatever he did, so he's gone. You had a defender who was stretched, didn't know really what to do. And Bumo, all he had to do is just tap it to the right or the left and it was in goal. And it's easy for me to say that in retrospect, yes. But the fact that he put that over from, you know, and he's one of the most skillful players in our team really does sum it up. But if he put that if he put that in the back of the net, all of a sudden, you know, we'd probably be having different conversations saying, Oh well, you know, if you don't play as well but you get the results then, you know, that shows that you're a good side. But we didn't get we did we just didn't put that in. No, and it was just typical pretty much all night. You know, it was people in quite good positions, just not hitting the target. I think, you know, Yenout was very unlucky, as I said earlier, with one of them, that if it goes straight, it, it goes straight into the, you know, the top top left-hand corner, and it just curled away right at the end. Um, Tony didn't have a sniff. Um, there was no threat at all from our, our centre-backs coming forward. Uh Pontus Janssen still looks no nearer to scoring for Brentford than, than uh, you know, than you, Bill. 
um, yes. you know and you've got next week yeah you've got <laughs> you've got two missing knees and it's, yes, it's like right. it's it's you know it's just just hugely frustrating and you know we, we can say it we can go round and round in circles I think but uh, you know we it's not yeah we're, none of us are pulling the emergency cord and you know and, and saying yeah, this is absolutely awful you know but it's it does make you question that what you know what would have happened if we'd have gone up and we'd, we'd lost a load of games there would have been kind of complete meltdown so uh, you know this this season of transition um, hopefully it's only half a season of transition we, we do have to the DOFs do have to pull something out of the bag in the halfway the halfway stage which comes in sort of three weeks time you know there, it, it's quite obvious where the deficiencies are it's not it's not right in front of goal it's not right in front of goal in the other end it's not the defence necessarily well it's not the defence at all um, it's not really the midfield it, you know Yanel and Northgard, you know you, you, they're interswappable there's not, no problem there it's, it's, it's literally the what I think it's the wide areas and people it's the, it's the creative you know the, the flair and also other other players getting into Really dangerous areas and getting those crosses in. So it's, it's, the delivery is 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 is, is substandard at the moment. And Mbwemo, I know, has got quite a lot of assists or had quite a lot of assists early on, but that's dried up. And you know, he he has to kind of question his place in that team. Surely, that's right. So listen. I'm going to try and pick things up now because you know people sitting down there they're probably actually thinking oh Jesus Christ like you know what I'm saying it's just yeah but it's no point you know you can't polish a turd Bill that's the thing you no, know no, you, no, you, no, you, no, we no. can't we can't look for a positive all the time they, they, you know, no. it's, we, the positive is we haven't lost in 10 you know that's not that's not that, that's, that's alright you know we haven't lost in 10 but we're not winning enough to be creating a you know an automatic promotion charge, and there's no we've got no divine right to be up there, Bill. When when we there's no reason why we should should be in that top two, you know. If we're not good enough, we're not good enough, and if not good enough is finishing sort of sixth, seventh, or in the top ten, I'm I'm I'm, I'm that's not a disaster, is it? No, no, no. And, and listen, I mean Thomas Frank, what he said, he actually said after the game, when a good team come here with eleven men behind the ball, and we still create five big chances. And then we have done more than enough to win a game like this. They didn't put eleven men behind the ball tonight. No. They didn't. They that that's, that's they didn't they didn't do that. They 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 didn't put eleven men behind the ball tonight. They just were, they were a poor team. We weren't good enough to beat them. Yeah. So anyway, look, like I said to you, I'm going to pick things up now because what we're going to do, we're going to go over to JB because sometimes JB comes up with a few stats and facts. JB and a bit of funk as well so I thought if we put a little bit of funk into this podcast a little bit of stats and facts and hear what you've got to say because I think JB is going to actually just remind us that there's a bit of positive going on with Brentford at this very moment in time JB what you got to say mate Jonathan Burchett here again. As we sit six places away from the Premier League, it's easy to forget that on the 11th of December 2007, we were just six places away from non-league football. This came after a run of five straight defeats without scoring a single goal, conceding 12, including a 7-0 drubbing at Peterborough. At this point, Terry Butcher left the club by mutual consent and Andy Scott took over as caretaker manager. Probably the turning point on the field as to where we are today. The 2,000 fans now allowed into our new stadium of course fell a long way short of its capacity of 17,250. 
Yet it was only three times in the last 50 years that Griffin Park had an attendance that exceeded that figure. Twice the crowd topped 18,000 in the 71-72 promotion season, with the final occasion being against Liverpool in the League Cup of 1983, when 17,859 saw Gary Roberts score as we lost 4-1. Ivan Tony was again writing himself into the Brentford record books against Blackburn when he scored from the spot for the second consecutive game. Only 16 times previously in our league history has the same player scored a penalty in two successive games. The previous time that happened was eight seasons ago when Sammy Saunders scored against Swindon and Preston. So there you go, JB with his stats and facts and his funk. You like a bit of funk, don't you, lady? No. I knew that actually that's why I asked you <laughs> if, it, if, it's not anyway, got, if it hasn't got a drum machine in it I'm not interested uh, yeah, you were saying you know so 808, 808 state and all that kind of stuff like, anyway, yes, but thank listen, you very much thank yeah. you very much but listen JB tell you what he did like I said 2007 11th of December 2007 you know so that was what 13 years ago to the day we were six places away from non-league as he said when we and we lost the posh 7-0 I was lucky I was going to go to that game when we lost to Peterborough up at Peterborough 7-0 and luckily I couldn't get a lift or something happened I didn't go but that was we were practically on the edge of being a non-league team 13 years ago so just throwing that into the pot there lady just to sort of say listen look look how far we've come and I know that we're moaning that we haven't beaten Wayne Rooney's Derby County today but um, listen there, there are much plus sides to this one. Like, you know yeah, well, it just, it just, it, yeah, it, it, it goes back to the thing. We said that a lot as well. We know we we've seen crap. We know crap when we see it, and you know what we're watching at the moment isn't. It's just not. It's not quite where we wanted it to be, based on the fact that we almost got into the Premier League last year. You know, we're way off that at the moment, but we're still in the second tier. And there's still huge amounts of positives. There's, you know, you, you you have to keep things in perspective. You have to. We do, indeed. So listen, Saturday, we've got a game coming up. We are going out of town. We're going to the Tier 3 zone, which actually might become a Tier 2 zone by the time. Actually, no, no, it's still going to be Tier 3 zone by the time we come up there. Maybe next week it's going to be different. Um, Brentford are going up to Nottingham Forest. So we're going to, well, we're going to discuss this Forest game after this little guitar twang Nottingham Forest a team that we sort of seem to quite like playing because we do alright with them against them most of the time and uh, we get on with their fans most of the time except when they call us spreadsheet winkers but we won't talk about that now and uh, and also well you know like I said to you you know it, it, it's alright last season we were a little bit nervous of meeting them in the playoffs because they were the type of team that would have frustrated the hell out of our very creative side. Um, they had Bree Samber in goal. They had a very tough defence and they'd hit you on the break. And it was just one of those things which would have killed us. But in the end, they just didn't quite make the playoffs. And uh, in retrospect, probably they were the type of team that we would have probably preferred to meet them in the playoff semi-final. And Swansea, who were a little bit tricky, it has to be said. But this season, things have turned on its head. And, and Forrest are sat the manager... They've got a new manager, they've got Chris Hutton in. They're not playing nearly as well as they're meant to. They've let in loads of goals, about 19 goals, or maybe actually they've let in a couple more goals tonight. I think they're 21 goals now, I think they've let in, you know. So Bree Samba is not like, you know, isn't mustard like he was last season. So we thought, tell you what, let's go over to Forest and let's see exactly what's going down. So let's chat to my mate Greg from Forza Garibaldi. He's going to tell us exactly what's going down. 
with Forrest. Very important match on Saturday as Brentford travel to the city ground Nottingham to play Nottingham Forest. We need to find out a little bit more about Forest because they're a little bit different to what they were last season. So we're going to go and chat to Greg from Forza Garibaldi, the Forest fan group, and he's going to give us the lowdown on what exactly is going down in Nottingham. Greg, how are you doing? Good, I'm good. I'm, uh, I, wish, I wish I did know what exactly was going down in Nottingham. <laughs> I think many of us do. Yeah, listen, you know, I mean, it seems to be there's a massive you know, season hangover going on in Nottingham. I mean, after failing... Just to make the playoffs last season, Forest have had a terrible start to the season. They've won three out of 15 matches. They've scored nine. They've let in 19 goals. I mean, tell me, where has it all gone wrong? I don't even think it's a hangover. Everybody's saying that. It's easy to say it, and it's the obvious thing. I think the mistakes were made behind the scenes by recruiting a brand-new team and a brand-new squad. Uh, We've replaced the manager. We've replaced absolutely everything on the pitch, and... It's a new team on the shortest pre-season that they've ever had, so it was predictable, to be honest, and we're really, really struggling, and things have got to turn around quick. I mean, you're saying you're struggling. I mean, what exactly... Uh, I mean, obviously, you're struggling to score goals. You know, you're, you're struggling. You're letting in goals where, you know, you're actually one of the sort of tighter teams last season. I mean, people sort of kind of sort of lambasted Lamucci from not getting to you to where you are at the moment now. I mean, do you think that possibly that you might have been a little bit trigger-happy there? It was a tough one, and when he went, even myself, that I always want the managers to stay. You know, I want to give them more more chance than they ever have because we just never do it for us. Um, I think it's over twenty managers now since Brian Clough in the nineties, and that's just crazy. So I would have liked to seen him with hindsight, given longer time. But Chris Hewton is a brilliant manager with a superb track record. You look at his other teams he's, he's managed over recent years, and. They don't get off to flyers. You need to give him seasons, one, two or three seasons. And we're just not that club. And I, I don't have the faith that we will give him, if it doesn't go well uh, to start, we will give him the time. It's interesting. I mean, you're talking about, you know, how you're doing now, how you're doing at the back end of last season. Also, how you how you think that, you know, you've made some mistakes in just sort of changing around your team. I mean, I've got to chuckle a little bit because, as you know, there was a little bit of beef uh, towards the back end or the middle of last season, actually. There was a little bit of beef between the Brentford fans and, you know, a section of Forest fans and a section of Brentford fans in and around the time that we were playing you at the end of January. And the reason why was, as you know, Brentford are very much a stats-based club. We're a small club. We haven't got much money. So the way that we actually have our competitive advantage is by, you know, our owner who owns a stats company and he actually knows how to use that information to to, to, to find players, which are rough diamonds, but they actually get better as time goes on. But also what he does is that he's kind of like, he's got this little table where he kind of, in effect, they can they can have a look to see what is happening in and around football leagues around the world, not only us, but that's how he makes his money. And then they will ascertain whether or not the teams are actually playing above their level or below their level. And as far as not only him, but all the stats people were concerned, they were saying that Nottingham Forest were basically playing above the level of the of, of what they were actually doing on the pitch, how they were performing. In effect, what they were doing, in effect, was scoring more goals than probably technically they should have done, but fair play to them they would have done as well and also probably sort of kind of like you know that you know their, their defense was actually very tight and there was a bit of beef between the Brentford fans and the Forest fans where you know I think the the stats people were saying that you know even though you were probably in fifth place or fourth place you know technically in their world 
you should probably be 12th or 14th or 15th or something like that. And the beef went down calling the Bradford fans Bradstreet wankers and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> like, you know, you know, which you and me, we sort of had a right good chuckle over that, you know what I'm saying? Now, interestingly now, what's happened is as the season's finished and then you've got now this season now, which has happened, in retrospect, looking back at that, do you think maybe those figures may have actually been right? Well... I don't know whether you've blooming seen it this year, but you've somehow managed to get this expected goals all around the league. And I keep <laughs> seeing it. And amazingly, and I don't like to, to talk about it, but our expected goals... That, oh, I feel dirty just talking about it now. <laughs> our expected goals this season are way above where we are. Even blooming Sky were talking about it on Saturday. I thought, God, how Brentford managed this getting it mainstream? <laughs> um, so, yeah, we did... You can say we overperformed, but the thing with stats is it's it's on paper and it's black and white. Where Lamucci was a defensive manager, we gave we gave away teams playing at the City Ground sixty percent possession constantly. We were playing our best football when we were like sitting there winning games at home with thirty percent fo- uh, of the ball, and it, it's just the way it was with his team. And that is the one thing with uh, Chris Hutton that I've noticed. It is a similar style of pe- play and. You can hear grumblings from certain sections of the fan base not exactly liking that. But the players that have been left over from last season, that's how they used to play. I do think the football's improved. And like you say, we did probably punch last season and it all fell apart in the most dramatic, classic Forest way that it could have. Um, but things this season, last season was last season, and this season just has to change around quick. Yeah, no, I hear that. And, and what I would say, that, as we were saying about last season, it isn't necessarily a, a case of possession. It's the face that, you know, you were probably creating not a lot of clear, really massive clear-cut chances, but almost every single one that you got, you were putting them in the back of the net. So Lewis Graben was on fire this season. Listen, I'm not knocking you guys. Every time you got the ball up to him, what you do, you sit back, you soak it up, then you go bang, 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 and put the ball in the back of the net. And I think the feeling was, that can't continue forever. Either that, or Lewis Graben is going to be like a top of the Premier League striker, because having somebody that lethal scoring every single time, surely that can't happen. And I think that that was the feeling why they, the, the, the statisticians sort of say that you're positioning compared to what you were doing is probably lower fair play to you you were getting the points and the, and that's why the feeling is that maybe this season it, it's kind of slightly even now even though it's what you say is interesting is you know using these figures again you are actually doing better than uh, on, on, on the stats world than you are doing on the pitch which means actually it's actually quite a good sign for you because it basically means you're actually not putting the chances away so the Lewis Grabbins are probably and I haven't seen you probably getting the ball and not scoring, whereas last season he was scoring, like you know. So at least if you're making the chances, it means that the opportunity is there for you to actually raise up the table. I'm very worried about the Lewis Graben situation, and you've probably not read a lot about this, but he's been injured pretty much since the start of the season. But at the end of um, the transfer window, he was heavily linked with a team in Qatar, which Sabri Lamucci now runs. Um, and we all thought with us getting Lyle Taylor and a couple of others that he was going to go his last big money move he's getting to that age now uh, but he's got this you know this mystery uh, injury now and the, the you know the talk online is that is he really that injured or is he just biding his time for January and off he goes to Qatar um, and we've missed him massively I, I really hope it is an injury because 
he could have gone at the end of the transfer window and he didn't and it all sounded great and then like I said it was this mystery knock whatever it is and he's not playing at all and it's showing on the pitch on your stats everything tell you what and I'm just thinking about this as well because I mean I, I met you at the remember we met each other at the Houses of Parliament it was actually in the summer of 2018 that's two years ago we were actually guests of Dr Rosina Alan Khan the Labour MP who was actually really campaigning for safe standing and we were there as part of a little delegation of fans who had gone there to campaign for safe standing in the house of parliament and we would sat down we met each other we just started to talk about football talk about championship football um and 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 we just became sort of quite good mates after that we talk a lot you know whether or not on the phone or on whatsapp you know when i go up to nottingham we take our posse we come to your pub for a drink you come down to the globe we have a good drink with us as well and it seems like i've known you for ages like you know i'm saying yourself and your and your and your good other half laura and all the fools of garibaldi posse as well like a good bunch of characters one of the first matches that we actually uh, put down in our in our diary you know for an away game because we love going up to, to to nottingham but then i was counting actually in the time that i've known you which like i said to you it's just only over two years you've had chris uton you've had lamucci you've had o'neill you've had simon island and you've had karanka you've had five managers in that space of time i mean surely you must look at that and think this is this is just a bit out of hand because obviously you're going to be all over the place if things like that happen when you continually having this conveyor belt of managers coming in changing players changing tactics changing styles changing everything but what, what the most infuriating thing about that is, it is so obvious. It doesn't work. It, you know, Karanka was a brilliant manager for us. A few bad games, a few stories from going on that didn't sound very nice at all from behind the scenes, and he's gone. And it's like, yeah, we needed a new manager, we needed a change. We've got to stop saying it's the manager. Already you see it online on Twitter, people saying, oh, you know, maybe a couple more games, then we're going to have to make a change. It don't work. And the problem is we're running out of managers that will give Forrest a decent chance because there are stories from behind the scenes that whether they're true or not, it don't sound very good. And you think, if I was a top-class manager, do I want to go to that club at the minute? And to be honest, I bet they all talk within the circles. And yeah, I'd love to be on a fly on a wall to hear what some of them have got to say. Because it ain't good enough from the outside looking in. We have to provide a manager with stability, you know, on and off the pitch. And it's the only way we're going to get promoted. The only way I see it happening in the near future is just by going on a very lucky run and somehow scraping in. But even then, we're not going to have the, you know, I hate to say it, but the professionalism to, to stay up there. We've been left behind for 20-odd years. We're not a Premier League club, although half of us talk like we should be. It's just It just seems like a mess. It really does. And it's embarrassing when you hear little things like that. Five managers since we've known each other. Yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely madness. And, and and also, I mean, you're talking to here about about your owner as well, because again, and, and we don't want to get into libelous talk or anything like that. So yeah, I'm just, yeah. I want to sort of maybe just talk a little bit more, you know, just generally about you as a fan, about your fears. I mean, for me, from the outside, it just kind of seems I, I, okay. I truly believe that for clubs to start doing really well, the foundations have to be right from the bottom all the way through to the top, and you have to spend quite a lot of time in building that. I mean, we're lucky enough to have been able 
able to do that over years and we've had the owner who has had the foresight and the, and the money and also the patience to do that and not to just go and basically piss money in the wind and hope that we're going to go up and then you know so and so forth and, and, and you know we did things like you know I had to part with Mark Warburton back in the day because Mark Warburton wasn't on the same page as us in the long term planning of things he wanted to go left we wanted to go right we had to say in the end of the days okay right we have to go about your business and in the short term it was probably bad for us because we were playing some great football under him but in the long term it seems to have done us well but do you you know is there sort of a a bit of a kind of structure issue at Forest um, over the years and some people are thinking because your new owners come in that was going to change but do you think there's still a bit of work to do there yeah I mean we had it so bad under Fawaz that like half the stories will never come out just how ridiculously bad it was and this owner I truly believe that he has got the right intentions he's certainly got the money and he's got the know-how from doing things in Olympiacos I do think running a team in Greece and running a team in England is a hell of a lot different and you'd hope I don't know whether they are doing or not you'd hope they'd look at how things are done in England more than how things are done in Athens Um, because we've got to be honest now you know he has had some successes but this season started very badly and if we had like a three or four year plan we're not we're not going to achieve that Um, but there's nobody shout it seems that there's there's been quite a lot of talk about our CEO at the minute and there's nobody shouting talking about a change of owner because this owner's providing a lot of money I think they said two million pounds a month just to keep us on the right lines but there are now grumblings, and I do wonder if fans had been in the ground the last few weeks, how toxic it could have got, because I know Twitter world and the real world are completely different, but it hasn't been very nice on there recently, and it's been pretty quiet coming from the club. So I think the next few weeks are going to be quite interesting. And talking about managers, just keeping on that as well, and obviously, like I said to you, there's a little bit of a link between Forrest and Brentford in the fact that you had, you know, who was at the time probably our most successful manager in the modern era, which is Mark Warburton, a manager who Brentford fans absolutely loved. He took us up from Division 1. He took us to um, the playoffs in the first season at Brentford, but then it went a bit horribly wrong in the fact that himself and the owner um, basically kind of split apart through differences in opinions in how the club should be going, the direction they should be going. But quite interestingly as well, as, as Mark Warburton actually went on to, to Rangers and he went on to Forest, um, the stories which didn't come out at Brentford but sort of came out a little bit later was the story that there seems a few things that kind of happened at Brentford continued at both Rangers and at Nottingham Forest. And one story that I heard from a very, very good source was that he uh, they, uh, there was a bit of confusion as to why there were players being turned down which were offered by your uh, by your owner, who obviously has got his yeah. links in, um, in, in, in... Well, he's got, he's got a Champions League team, which is basically in Greece and uh, he was offering all these players to come over to Forest and he couldn't understand why these players were kind of being rejected and then they were picking up these players from I don't know Scotland and all sorts of places which from what I can understand weren't very good is, was that the case? I do remember I mean this is a thing because there's been so many managers and so many stories you forget where you are with them but yeah that was the story that he, he turned down I can't remember the name of the player a really good player who's gone on to do things I enjoyed Mark Warburton's football. I enjoyed going to watch Forest under him. But, yeah, it was strange. And I remember we've had this chat before. And, you know, he knows how to run his teams, doesn't he? And he has had success. But 
going, you know, knocking a gift horse like that. It's strange. Yeah. Okay, but we should move on from that because, like I said, it's a long, long story, and like I said, we've 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 moved on. You know, all all the players they rejected from us. I think it's proven that our system works now. We, you know, we sign players with our stat system, and and they're great. And I'm sure that in his QPR side, he'd love to have probably 90% of the players that we've got now. But he's got his QPR team, and you know, he's got some players there that is doing really well. So uh, just just from the forest point of view I mean you I know that you're not particularly pleased with you know maybe some of the the squad some of the team that you've had there's a bit of a change around but there must be some players who are exciting you yeah there are definitely I really like McKenna at the back uh, I think we're going from Aberdeen quite a big money sign and he was I think he was Aberdeen's biggest ever sale um he's strong he's captain material although he hasn't been given the armband yet and he has been injured a couple of times uh, Taylor, he's going to start putting goals in. He's getting close. He can just tell he needs a couple and then he'll go. Um, but it's more the players we lost. We got great money for Matty Cash, but Matty Cash has been the best player at Forest for years. We got £16 million for him. And, you know, as you know, Brentford are the perfect club for knowing when to sell a player. Um, it was big money and, it, and it's really going to help us in the long run. But God, have we missed him because we haven't really replaced him even though we've bought a hell of a lot of players. Um, I think we've made 14 signings this summer, which is about average, about average for us. <laughs> and, uh, so, some of them will probably never play. That's the weird thing. Like We've had players on our squad that you look at them and you think, well, have they ever played for us? It, it's mad. Um, but yeah, we have, we will, we've made some decent signings and I'm sure in January we'll probably make four or five more and no one will be surprised if we do so I mean listen Saturday we're coming up to the city ground or say we um, Brentford are coming up to the city ground it's a bit of a shame actually because obviously um, we've been so desperate for an away day we were going to go to like I said earlier in the season we are going to go to Millwall um, and go and watch a game with our Millwall mates in a pub but then lockdown um, well, they changed the rules on the on, on how you can actually go out and, uh, and and have a drink. So we that sort of fell apart. So we made the plan between ourselves that we were going to go and actually come up to Nottingham and we were going to come up and meet you and all your crew and we were going to go down to one of Dave's many pubs. Like, you know, I'm not sure which one we would have gone to, but we would have gone to... Go the to Navi. the Nava, I reckon, yeah. That's right. The navigation, sit down there, Bees fans, Forest fans, watch the game together. But then, obviously, it's all gone a little bit horribly wrong and, you know, different shaped in the fact that you've gone Tier 3, which means that you can't even get the pub to watch the matches. And we've gone Tier 2 in a time when, all of a sudden, we're allowed back in the stadium. So we were in the stadium watching our match on Saturday, but there's obviously going to be no fans in the stadium on Saturday, which is a bit of a shame, isn't it? Oh, it's a massive shame. And like we said when we spoke, was it October? Um, it was going to be great. We never expected that any fans would be in the ground, but you know, 12 of you would have come up or however many, and we could have had a great time in the NAV. But it's sad. It was great to see your place finally open. I know there's only, was it 2,000 or 1,000? 2,000 it was, yeah. yes. And it was great to see that. And it was, I was genuinely gutted for you that you never got to say goodbye to your old ground. I mean, that was just really sad but hopefully you'll pack that place out in the not too distant future and it'll be a fantastic noise what what did you think of it 
I was, let's just say something. I was really, really, really excited to go. I mean, I wasn't sure before. As you say, 2,000 fans in a stadium, 70,000, you think it's a bit rubbish. But then you realise you've been watching the game either in a pub with a restricted amount of people or in your living room with, with my daughter, which I love watching the game with my daughter. But all of a sudden I thought, you know, she was so excited to go to the game, you know. So, you know, when we got the lucky ticket as it was, you know, we were jumping around the room like, you know, we couldn't wait. We got in the car, went down, had a, had a few drinks in the glow beforehand, walked down past Old Griffin Park, paid our respects to Old Griffin Park, walked to the new Griffin Park, walked inside. It was great, and the view, as it is, you're fairly near to the to the to the you know to the ground. So you're near, you know it's close, it's quite compact. Um, you're close. You've got a really good view. It looks good. I have to admit, it looks great inside. But also the noise. There's only two thousand fans in there, but you know you could hear it. And you know I had a, a message from somebody who was playing um, a, 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 a journo actually who was playing football in Gunnersbury Park, and he said to me. I was playing football in Gunnersbury Park and I can hear the noise and I was thinking that's just 2,000 what's it going to be like with 17,000 like you know were you in your seat or is it like random seat no we were actually staying in the, the north and the south stand I mean my seat's actually in the west stand so we were actually pretty much on the halfway line so the good thing about it is that we actually got to see the game from an area that we probably would never have gone to like you know because obviously a lot of the season tickets already been sold I was sitting in a seat that you know which in an end which I wouldn't normally be in so for me that was actually really good and really quite interesting so for me, I'm really excited when there's going to be 17,000 fans. There's 2,000 away fans in the corner as well. And um, like I said to you, I think there's going to be a right good noise, a right good racket with, you know, 15 minutes walk from all the old Brentford pubs that used to go to the Globe and the Griffin and the Nelson and that as well. But there's loads more pubs on Kew Bridge. So I think, you know, by the time, and like I said to you, first vaccine today, which I think is, is very, very good news, which means that it looks That's like, it. we, you know, we, we're going back into normality. Fingers crossed, hopefully... You know, by the end of this season, early next season, definitely we will be back to normality. All football fans, you know, Forest fans, Brentford fans, Accrington fans, you know, Man United fans, everybody will be back watching their teams and having a good time. So yeah, so so yeah, so that's you know that's that that, that you know that's that's good news for me as well. Like you know, but um, talking, coming back to Forest, I'm just wondering because, like I said, you've got some players there. And you've got some decent players. You talk about Chris Hewton and he's a good manager. He's got, to, he's got to earn his corn now. Yeah. How do you think him and your team are going to combat Brentford? And what are the, you know, what are the things that you are, you know, how, how you're going to deal with it? What are the positive sides that, of Forest that you think you'll deal with us? To start, we're at home. So you haven't got the, the crowd advantage. Because I do think, you know, being a bitter, I'm going to say Northerner, there's always a... Uh, a big debate whether we're north or south but seeing as we're tier three i'm siding with the north on this being a bit of northerner i feel like it's a real unfair advantage that you lot get to go and support your team and we can't so i'm glad it's at our place for starters we've got to be defensively strong hopefully mckenna starts hopefully warrell starts because for me they're our two strongest you've got figueredo who's who's played well um Again, it's just being defensively strong and then we'll only play with one striker up front and Taylor has to start banging him in. He's had a couple of chances the last two games, but I think it's something like four games now without scoring and we've we've had, I think, under five shots on target. So he's got to start making people have some shots, even if it's 25 yard, just start testing the keepers because I think Watford uh, in the, the week, neither team had a shot on target. We can't be playing like that. We've got to start creating the chances and, and getting someone on target as a minimum. 
and it's interesting because you talk about Taylor. Taylor actually almost came to us last season. We tried to get him on the transfer window deadline last year when one of our players, Godosh, who plays for us now, he uh, we couldn't get hold of him, so we tried to get hold of Taylor. We went up to four million, and uh, um, Charlton wanted five, and in the end, we said no. So uh, that didn't happen. So there's a bit of a kind of uh, there'll be an interesting one because I think Taylor would want to score against us because he really wanted to come to us. It didn't happen, and I think yeah. that whole thing about how Charlton, you know, sort of kind of felt that they held him back, and he was quite bitter about that and that's why he kind of didn't end up on a good note but um you know taylor aside you know he's going to be looking for his goals but i said you know brentford obviously quite well because we're, you know now that lees are gone it seems that like it's sky sports brentford you know sky sports brentford yeah. we're on the tv quite a lot now so you must know quite a lot about us who are you scared of and and what do you think forest is going to have to deal with from brentford uh, your organization to start i don't think it's necessarily one one player um, it's just how organised you are and you're always organised you have been since we seem to be playing each other so much um, for me form's obviously a big thing but um, oh, I don't know I mean how are you doing away from home is your form mainly coming at home yeah, you know, we're alright, yeah, we're, we're but you know, as, but Ivan Tony's, you know, <laughs> give the ball to Ivan Tony and he's uh, he's pretty lethal, like, you know, so, I mean, I don't know what your defence is like having to deal with him, but he's a, he's a he's a pretty traditional striker, as they say. Well, we've got, we've got a young, we've got a young defence, so we've got a lot of energy uh, between us. Yeah, no, we're playing up, we've, like I said to you, one up front, which is Ivan Tony, and we've got another striker, so ironically, we've got a guy called Marcus Force, he's scored, I think it might be six goals now, but he scores about once an hour. I mean, you know, his goals, you know, he's played, he's only played sort of kind of two or 360 minutes and he scored six goals for us as well. So we've managed to sort of crowbar him in the side and he's going to be playing on the wing, but he likes to cut into the middle because he's more of a striker. So we've got these two players in our side. We're not quite like we were last season. Ben Rama's gone missing and we haven't got that creative edge on, on the left wing like we did with him. But um, interestingly, Canos came back last Saturday and he had, a, he hasn't been great this season, but he had a blinder in front of the crowd and he is definitely is a player who plays up to the crowd. So whether or not, with the crowd missing on Saturday, if he plays, whether or not his form will dip, that will be a very interesting one. It is such a shame as well, because I think it's the 16th when the next set of tears are announced, and all the rumours up here is we're going to be tier two, so we're only a few days off having people in the ground and allowing you lot in the pub, so it is a real kick in the teeth. But, um, yeah, it is quite... yeah. Yeah, it's a real shame. And the rumour, I mean, I just went to a pub yesterday and uh, somebody said to me, she reckons that we're going to be in tier one, you know, by the 16th as well, which will be interesting, which means that we'll be moving up to 4,000 fans down here as well. So, you know, if that does happen, you know, things are moving in the right direction. But listen, Greg, be great chatting to you. But what I need to get from you is a score prediction. (laughs) Well, we're high scoring Nottingham Forest. So uh, I think... We're going to win, obviously. We're at home, uh, so I'm going to have to say we're going to win. Um, I don't know, 2-0, and you can happily come back and bite me on that one. Greg, from Forza Garibald is going two goals to nil to the mighty, mighty Forest. We're going to have to talk about that. My crew, me and Laney, are going to chat in a little bit about what we think Brentford are going to do. But listen, Greg absolutely brilliant chatting to you I'm very gutted that I'm not going to be up there seeing you this weekend and all your posse this weekend I want to say hello to you lot have a great day not between three and five but other than that have yourself a good day all the forest posse 
fingers crossed I'll see you lot soon you never even know if miracles happen you might actually even get down to see the new stadium before the end of the season and we'll have a good old drink then yeah absolutely mate I'd look forward to it okay nice one Greg cheers Pele good to speak to you mate so there you go Greg is not particularly uh, confident about anything. He's a little bit gutted. He has got no idea what's going on, but I'm not being funny. You know, he's playing Brentford and we're not putting our team down, but anything can happen with us. Everyone expected us to roller coaster Derby County, who were meant to be not a great side. And look what they did to us. So we're going to Forest's Manor. We've got no fans in the stadium at all. And, you know, we've kind of got to do a job up there. We've got to kind of sort of make amends for what we didn't do against Blackburn when we should have beaten them with 10 men. And Derby County, who were basically just kind of like really scared of us. And after a while, thought, hold on a second, maybe we don't need to be scared anymore. We need to just go up to Forest and just do the business, don't we, Lady? Yeah, we do. We have to, we have to make amends. And, um, you know, if we're going to sort of like consolidate at the top of this division which we I think we are we're going to be there or thereabouts but uh, you know we, we do have to go to a team that have been struggling all season and, and, and continue to pile the pressure on them you know it should have been a win tonight followed up by a, you know a, a win at the city ground um, they've, they've, they've they, they, they're hemorrhaging defeats uh, not in a forest um, we, if we don't go there and win, it's, it, it's going to be another disappointing result. It's, it's, it's down to the team, it's down to Thomas, it's down to those wide players to actually sort of just make it, make it happen. You can't do any more than putting a poor team in front of them. You know, it's not as if we're, we're playing you know, the, the best teams in, 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 in England at the moment. We're playing teams that are bang out of, bang, bang out of form and we're, we're not beating them. You know, and it, 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 I, I'll chuck in Wickham as well. Tricky teams, um, and I know we have won since then. We've gone away and we've, we've won comfortably at, in, you know, at, at, at other other grounds, and we, or, or dug in deep and, and pulled a result out. So we're capable of it, um, but I'm expecting us to be a little bit more than functional and grinding games out. You know, um, I know you have to do that, but these these are these are teams we should be winning. They should be indeed, and I'm, it's not a lot. So we've spoken about, you know, we've spoken about how we've been playing. We've had the winker on. He's told us about things. JB's tried to give us a little pep up. You know, just looking at Forest. You know, listen, Chris Uton. We were all quite scared when he came in as manager because, you know, it's interesting because Chris Uton's been out of the game for, for quite a while, and uh, you know, he did, you know, he did. I say pretty well. He did. You know, he was the manager when Brighton. You know, went up from our league, wasn't he? And uh, do you remember when we used to play against them? I mean, they, they, they were playing some wicked football, you know. Um, they were playing some f- fantastic football. And uh, I was thinking, mm, I'm a little bit nervous because the fact is that whoever he, all these championship sides were, were looking to get Chris Hewton, I was thinking, whenever he comes in, whatever side he gets to, he's going to get hold of them and he's going to transform them and it's going to make it even more difficult for us. But listen, I know he's not even in that long, but he's come to Forest and it seems to have not I say gone backwards but he doesn't seem to be able to sort of kind of got a grip on the side which to me and like I said I spoke to Greg about this it seems to be that they've seemed to have got greater problems than just kind of like what they've got on the pitch it seems to be something that is kind of in, in just in forest which has enabled them to not be the club that maybe they should be don't you think 
Yeah, he's struggling. I think I think his 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 stars not rising anymore. I think his stars starting to to wane a little bit. He's not it's not a bright thing. He's kind of like you know picking up jobs that not no one else wants. But you know it's it's not it's not he hasn't got that kind of like momentum that he used to have. But you know the, the, we we shouldn't be worrying about who we're playing again. You know. And I'm not harking. I, I know. I, I know the argument for selling Ben Rama. I know the argument for selling Watkins. And it's, you know, they, they both wanted to go. And there's nothing we could have done to kept would have kept them. But we, we're looking at you know this time last season. If we're on our game, it doesn't matter who we're playing. We're beating them. And you know this time this season without them, even if we're on our game, you know we 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 stand a good chance of winning. But lots of things have to be going our way. We have to do the right. We have to make start making the right decisions in front of goal. Start making the right decisions in the build-up play. Start making the right decisions in midfield. At the back, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily. I've got no issues with with the back four and swapping them around. We don't. We don't. We don't seem to be. That's not a problem against most of the teams in this division. Um, at Watford, we might have an issue. Um, you know, yeah, we have to go <laughs> double A against them. But um, you know, it, it's an opportunity on Saturday. You know, it's a, it's a really good opportunity. We have to go there and win. We're more than capable of it. Um, I believe we can. I believe we probably will. But you know, we, it could be another draw if we just don't pull our fingers out. It will. Listen, and just looking at Forest, the one thing that they're very, very good at is protecting the lead. So we can't go behind because if we do, we could be in a little bit of a pickle there as well. Also, they've got skillful players, as we know. So they're good at creating scoring chances. As Greg talked about there, you know, we're talking about um, the Taylor man who could have come to Brentford, but didn't quite come to Brentford in the end. And maybe he wants to uh, do a job against us because, uh, you know, this is the team that, you know, he could have come to and it didn't quite happen as well. But their weaknesses, I mean, one of the big weaknesses I've looked at here is, you know, defending against attacks down the wings so we need to make a little bit more of that advantage that we typically should have Bumo's a great winger Canos when he runs at people and he's on fire is great as well and we've got two wing backs as well like you know what I'm saying so we should be doing that you know avoiding fouling in dangerous areas so they put fouls in dangerous areas as well which is good for us because we could score from set pieces as well defending against a through ball attacks as well you know this is the whole thing we need to be running at that team defending set pieces it's not good at defending set pieces as well and they're very very weak at finishing scoring chances so they're good at creating chances but they're not very good at, at finishing them at the moment now so so hopefully, you know, maybe the last two games, it's just been our unlucky period and maybe it might come good against the Forest. Sort it out, Brentford. <laughs> yeah. Sort it out, Brentford. So listen, Laney, I'm going to ask you, because I've already asked Greg, as you heard a little bit earlier, for a score prediction. Um, I'm going to finish on an upbeat note and go 2-0 Brentford. Oh! going to go for that one so I think I'm just going to go for a really really mad 3-0 Brentford and imagine that I was actually sitting in Nottingham in the pub because I was going to be sitting in the Nottingham in the pub with Greg and, and myself and all the posse and maybe you might have come out I don't know we were going to go up to Nottingham and watch the game up there until they went tier 3 so a little bit gutted so I'm going to say I'm going to watch it at home 
but instead we'll win 3-0 and then I'll just call them on the end and say thank you very much we won the game but it probably won't happen actually but <laughs> one can only dream as they say but anyway listen just a couple of little points just to finish up here as well like I said to you we um, buy us a beer if you want to sorted.com forward slash beer thank you very much everybody for your support on that one as well um, also Jamie as well Laney I mean I'll, I'll be chatting with Jamie you know the Jamie with the money but £350,000 being raised for his cancer treatment in America at the moment now which has been absolutely unbelievable all the beast fans all the non-beast fans everybody who's contributed to that that's been absolutely fantastic so we've raised the money which is a lot of money and when they said they're going to raise it in the first place i thought cool that's a lot of money but it just goes to show you when you pull together a community in football they all pull together we can make things happen so like i said jamie's sitting in america at the moment now getting his treatment at the moment now good luck to him yeah, good luck, good luck, Jamie. I know you listen to this. I, I, I dropped some stuff around. I dropped some canvases around to your brother to put into the auction a few weeks back, and uh, had a good chat with your brother on the doorstep. It was a bit weird, obviously, like social distancing, like speaking, uh, you know, halfway down his garden path. But you know, he, he said that you're, you know, you're you're out in the states and you're kind of like listening and you're, you're keeping in touch. So. Um, stay positive and uh, yeah, as, as you can see the whole of the Brentford community is right behind you indeed they are as well good luck for Paperboy with that tattoo that you're doing that out there send us a photograph when it's done <laughs> like I said to you and this is the Besotted Silver Award winning podcast as we say hey, we've got a game on Saturday against Forest fingers crossed we can actually get back on track when we get the three points and I'm not going to say anything else as we say lady come, come on, on you bees you bees come on you bees let's do the forest come on let's just do this get back on track yes you Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.